Welcome to Land Parties, episode 87 from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me, as always, my fantastic co-host, Lucas. Lucas Egan, how are you doing, my friend? How was your weekend? What's going on, brother? Well, my weekend was good. Uh, I'll just say this. I watched the Matrix Resurrections trailer probably about 100 (laughs) times, maybe more. In short, it looks awesome. I cannot wait for this movie to come out. I already told my girlfriend, if I have to, I will rent out a theater just so we can watch it safely. I am not watching this for the first time at home. It has to be on the big screen. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. I can't wait for it. That was my weekend, basically, in a nutshell, right? How was your weekend? Yes, dude. I I actually I got to watch the uh, your your uh, live reaction to it, uh, so that was fantastic. It brought me joy seeing how much joy you got from watching it. But yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm super excited about it. I mean, dude, like we're at a point too where we keep you know they're coming out with these movies and now they're only going to theater, so it's kind of forcing us to have to go to the theater, uh, which I'm kind of, I'm kind of the same way as you. I'm still kind of a little hesitant, but I'm just like, well, I got to go see uh, Shang-Chi. I got to, I got to, you know, there's, there's things that are coming out. So um, that's exciting, but yeah, no things, things have been great. It was a good weekend on our end. Baby actually has been sleeping more. So that's been fantastic. Everybody's getting more sleep all around. So, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. Um, gaming wise, more destiny Two, of course, that's what I was on. That is what I am about. Uh, so we had a blast, but I didn't really do too much. I had my parents in town or my dad still in town. My mom just left, but everybody was in. So we, you know, we were just getting together and hanging out. She was a big help. Uh, so it's been fantastic, but enough about us, please. Our guest, Lois Blaine. I'm sorry, Luis Blaine. I'm sorry. I, I knew I was going to do it. I, I messed it up before we even, before we even started and I did it anyway. Jeez. Journalist and podcaster. Please. How are you doing? How's your weekend? I'm well, thank you. And I am like, I'm very much surrounded by boxes. So many boxes. As you can see, I'm, you're obviously not sponsored by HelloFresh, but if you were, <laughs> this would be an ideal, this would be an ideal advertising platform because I've just been saving all of my meal kit boxes to move not that far down the street. So I'm currently in a fort, but soon at some point, I'll actually have a proper study again, but I'm sorry you're having to endure this. You're fine. And, and, and by the way, hello fresh, if you're listening by some chance, <laughs> this is the, this is your moment. <laughs> okay, before we get into things, I do have to ask, are you a Matrix fan? I, you know, I I'm a big fan of the original movie. Uh-huh. I didn't so much, I didn't love the two sequels, but watching that trailer over the weekend was just unreal. The music choice, everything about it, it brought like hairs up on my arms. It felt like such mm-hmm. an event. So I actually watched it two or three times, maybe not hundreds of times over the weekend like <laughs> you, <laughs> but I did I did thoroughly enjoy it in that sort of oh I definitely want to go and see this in a cinema because again I've seen a lot of things at home, so it'll be good to head out and see a proper event movie maybe even with people that would be nice oh my goodness i hope so i hope so fingers crossed on that one it was a a pretty busy news week and we got uh, the verdict for the apple epic games trial which in short nobody won really i mean like everybody looked kind of bad in all this uh ryan I mean, this is a messy trial. The verdict was always going to be messy. Basically, most of the ruling was against Epic, 
uh, except for a small part that went against Apple. What did you take away from this whole situation? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like this is a W for Epic, for sure. Um, you know, basically, a judge stated that that Apple can't be the sole uh, way of being able to purchase in-app uh, uh, purchases, which is absolutely huge. Now, Epic was uh, found that they they did breach their contract. They were ordered to pay three and a half million. But if you look at the scope of everything, as far as with that, you know, three and a half million is 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 pocket change to Epic for now being able to move forward and the amount of money they're going to be able to make separately uh, from Apple system, uh, you know, with people on iOS devices. Um, I think this is huge. And, and the implications for the whole thing, I, I think is even bigger than this. I think now, you know, Epic moves forward with then suing Google because if, you know, they've now set a precedence that, that they can't just have their, their store and, and, you can't sell uh, in-game stuff outside of their store. So this is kind of a way of circumventing uh, that double dip that they're getting from Apple. So I think this is huge as far as with that. I think Google will, will run into the same issues and based off of, you know, again, I don't know the details as far as the inner workings or back end of, of Google store, but I imagine there's something similar uh, to Apple. So I can't imagine that the verdict would go any other way if they do end up suing Google. And then this also makes you to, you look at, I mean, this isn't really an issue in other places. Uh, this is, a, you know, primarily in the mobile space. However, you do have Sony uh, that kind of has a similar system where you can only buy from the Sony store. There's no third party really, you know, that you can that you can uh, uh, get the games and stuff from. So I'm wondering if this then extends into that console space as well. Uh, but overall, I think this is this is uh, for me, this felt like more of a win for Epic than than a loss to them. And and this isn't the end of it either. This is just there's going to be appeals. I believe that uh, Epic has already stated that they plan on appealing the decision because uh, it sounds like they're they are looking for more. However, Apple was not uh, uh, they were not defined as uh, monolith, uh, uh, a monolith or I'm not not monopoly. Uh, Monopoly. I'm sorry. Thank you. I, apparently, I can't. I can't uh, English today, so uh, I'm, I'm doing my best. But uh, yeah, th this is. I, I think this is has uh, uh, huge, huge precedence as far as gaming and and you know where and how uh, these companies are making money uh, from these games. And it also uh, kind of defined a game um, as far as being a, a source of media that one interacts with, which then you know and. and and my co-host on on the GameCast, Lex, I thought she made a good point. She said, "Then, then wouldn't Bandersnatch uh, then be considered a game? Because people, you know, even though it was on Netflix, it was video. You were still the person as as a consumer were interacting with it. So I, I think there's a lot that came from this, and I think there's a lot more uh, that's going to come from it in the future. That's true. Of course, with with any of these legal proceedings, the always the initial ruling is never the end of it, and it's going to be interesting to keep watching. Uh, I did think that that them not defining Apple as a monopoly was also significant. Uh, Ryan, you're right that obviously the payment stuff is a huge uh, plus for Epic on their legal side. Um, <clears throat> you know, Apple's going to probably, if they haven't already, 
showcase the uh, we're not a monopoly part of the ruling. Uh, so everyone can take away that they quote one with nobody probably totally happy with what happened. Mm-hmm. Luis, did, have you been following this trial? Do you have thoughts on what you've seen so far? I have been following it, but just kind of make it, I, I haven't done the sort of every day. I've been catching up with people sort of every week. But I think the biggest thing for me is the fact that they don't, ju- they're not taking that 30% automatically or that percentage automatically simply because that's not just games that influences. It's companies like Amazon who are suddenly, <laughs> previously, if you went onto Kindle, mm-hmm. for instance, and if you opened your Kindle app, you couldn't buy a Kindle book on the Kindle app. You then had to go to the Amazon app within Safari or Chrome. And the minute you searched Google, uh, the minute you searched Kindle book, you wouldn't be taken to the app because they knew you wanted to buy something outside of that. But the idea that you will then automatically be able to go into whatever app you want, buy the thing you want without Apple getting a cut, those are really going to add up. And I think experientially, that's going to change a lot of people's app store experience overall. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it's it's crazy too to to just to think that, you know, I mean, and and these are, are things I think that are going to become more, more prevalent as more and more people are getting acquainted with what exactly is happening in the digital space. I feel like for the longest time, it's kind of, oh yeah, you know, there's, there's, things and stuff but as it's getting as that spotlight is getting brighter and brighter and people are seeing that there's a ton of money there's a ton of things going on in that sector i think we're going to be seeing more cases like this i think we're going to be seeing uh ways where people are going to try to to regulate it we've already started seeing things of that nature and whatnot so you know this very much is is ongoing i i think this is huge though uh as far as companies wise and and having to at least those that are developing games and things like that that becomes a huge chunk especially you know the more money you're making that chunk that 30 percent you know that that could be a, a huge amount you know that's a huge amount i mean shoot we were talking about twitch streamers uh last week and how twitch takes 50 percent, and and people really start feeling that can you imagine being a corporation and and you know you're you're not only are you not able to generate revenue from in in-game purchases i mean you are but it's not as much as it could be if i you know i i hashed out a deal with third party you know person and now i'm getting a bigger percentage um, you know, this is this is huge. And and I only think that these are the beginning stages of of legal fights and, and battles and, and regulatory uh, uh, things within this space. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And I'm going to continue to follow uh, the appeals process and see what comes with that, because I think a lot could come from that as well. Yeah, totally agree with you. It, it's it's like, like you said, it's far from over. So strap yourselves in because these these legal fights are never quick. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. On to some happier news. We finally got our look at the PlayStation Showcase. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of good announcements. I would say. Uh, I think my my favorite was we finally got a confirmation that that Spider Man Two is on its way with Venom, and uh, I think Craven the Hunter. I don't know if that was ever officially confirmed, but that certainly sounded like his voice uh, right. in that in that trailer. So I am super pumped for that. Plus. A Wolverine game is coming. Who knows when? It's probably not going to be for a while, considering Spider-Man 2. It looks like it's up first. But those two announcements got me super pumped. We got our, our first 
deeper look at God of War Ragnarok. And so, I mean, like just those series of announcements made me super excited. I think it's about as much as you could have asked for from that showcase. And uh, there's a lot of good games coming. There's a lot of good games coming. Ryan, what did you take away from that? Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of showcase that, that Sony needed. Again, this is Sony gives you a reason to purchase their consoles they're saying here's some bangers uh you know you can only play them on playstation you have to own a playstation to do it we're not really seeing that and we haven't seen it as a matter of fact we haven't gotten a single game yet from uh xbox which is so crazy to think because we literally just had the new consoles come out last year and there hasn't been anything from their studio we know that we're going to get halo infinite uh this december but it's it's you know Meanwhile, Sony's over here being like, look what we got. Look at this. Look at that. You need the system. And everybody's like, yeah, you know, the, the, the hype is real. Uh, I was and we did call this. We said I, I said I would be surprised if we did not see something uh, from from God of War Ragnarok. So it was nice to actually see a little bit of a, a gameplay, see that that's coming along and moving. So that was exciting. Like you said, uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2 to actually be able to, you know, they I think they said uh, 2023 is when they're looking for a tentative release date for that. So that's super exciting. I mean, Insomniac and, and not only that and then the Wolverine drop. I I mean, who saw that coming? Who saw, like, I didn't even, that that was the game I didn't even know that I needed. But as soon as I said it, I said, I needs it. <laughs> I am absolutely going to be about that. They also, I, I, I felt they, and I, I feel like right now the climate very much has been, you know, there's a lot of remakes and remasters being, being done. And, you know, I'm at a point where it's like, I want to see some new IPs. I want to, I want to see some new things. Uh, but that Star Wars, uh, uh, oh, remake, nice. the Old Republic, yep. come on now, come on now. Tell me that did not get you pumped. I never had the opportunity to play this game uh, on the OG. So this is probably a remake that I will actually pick up. Or is it uh, it's a remake or a remaster? I can't remember exactly. Uh, it's a remake. So, you know, I, I'm definitely going to be picking that up. Uh, that looks fire. I mean, this is this was definitely a showcase that they needed. We had the new IP uh, for Spoken uh, that we saw, which very much looked interesting. And I'd have to say, too, that originally I have not been been very hype on uh, Ghostwire. I, I know originally I think I had something else in my head for what I thought it was going to be. And it turned out that, you know, it, it was first person once I, you know, and I feel like now after watching this trailer, I feel like I have a little bit of a better sense. And it kind of got me a little excited to see what it's all about. It's definitely looks different. looks like a different play style. I mean, to have the first person uh, uh, perspective, I think is, you know, I, I think it's starting to grow on me. So, yeah, this this I'd, I'd have to say that the, the their showcase uh, definitely ticked a, a lot of boxes for me so you know Luis I don't know if you got a chance to uh check this out if uh if you've gotten your hands on a PS5 that's part of the other problem is that there's a ton of people that don't even have the PS5 yet yes yeah, so I'm lucky enough I love my PS5 I got my mm, I got my PS5 yes. I was fortunate I got it for review last year and I think we have had a really quiet year from Sony, really. I mean, we had Ratchet mm -hmm. & Clank, which is magnificent. Mm -hmm. But in terms of announcements, meanwhile, 
Microsoft rocked up at E3 with their 27 new titles coming to Game Pass. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was that that E3 showcase was unreal for Microsoft and it was yes. we had tumbleweeds from Sony. So we absolutely needed what we saw there, you know, last week. It was just I mean, I loved seeing more of God of War. That's going to be amazing. Seeing Spider-Man, I think we while I obviously want to see something fresh and I want to see something new, of all of them, that was something that I could say, well, I'm going to play that for hours. I'm going to do it yet again. I want more of that. And I think everybody who played Spider-Man and you had that wonderful, the feeling of swinging and the music swelling with you, mm-hmm. you could just do that all day, especially on PS5. So I think we saw it, it pleased all of the Sony fans. I think and even getting a, what was it, a remaster of, what's, is it the Legacy of Thieves collection where it's we're getting Uncharted 4 right. and Lost Legacy mm-hmm. remastered? Do you know mm-hmm. what? I didn't get a chance to finish Lost Legacy. I'm not going back now because I'm going to play it all on PS5. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 telling us that here's actually why you have a Sony console, and we'll we'll give you more of what you like. So I think that's it. It, it gave something for everyone, really, that one. But we desperately needed it, and I'm really glad we got it. I will say this: when when they were doing the Uncharted announcement. I, for like a brief second, thought at the end of that, I was like, are we going to get a logo for the next like new Uncharted installment? Like, like I held my breath. I was like, oh, my goodness. But alas, (laughs) it wasn't to me. However, that that collection does look amazing, uh, and I'm I'm sure they're gonna do a fantastic job. Like both both those installments of that series <clears throat> are top notch. Uh, I I did not uh, like you did not finish. Uh, I finished Uncharted Four, didn't finish. Uh, so I'm looking forward to revisit that series. I hope they I hope they're not done with Uncharted. There's so many more characters that they can uh, put front and center in the Uncharted series. So I'm kind of hoping this is a little teaser toward a bigger announcement, maybe next year or something that that it's coming so hopefully that happens i'll keep saying it our wallets are going to be hurting so badly next year it's it's (laughs) crazy it is absolutely crazy i don't care i'm excited take my money (laughs) anyway bravo to them we did need it you are 100 correct i feel like you know them being able not only that but then they also made the recent purchase of insomniac games uh into uh sony studios so i think that was a huge purchase for them uh it completely makes sense and and i gotta say insomniac is absolutely on fire not only are they putting out banger banger games but they are doing it in an environment that that it seems like they're you know they're they're really taking care of their employees they're really cognizant of of employee burnout and and things of that nature so it's really reassuring to see look you can make absolutely top-notch, top-tier games and not have to go crazy and, 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 and you know, everybody wins in, in those respects. So good on them. That was a very sh- uh, exciting showcase. Let's take a quick commercial break, and we are going to be back talking with Luis and what she is doing. We'll be right back, guys. If you love listening to us here on Land Parties, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On, and on top of that, 
We'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team or game, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com join. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to those short messages. And now comes the fun part of the interview. And I have been looking forward to this interview for a while. Luis, I'm a big Sound of Gaming fan. So let me start there. How did that come about? And, and how did you kind of get involved with uh, BBC Radio 3 on that? Um, Well, Radio 3 got in touch with me last year um, and said that they were going to do another season of Sound of Gaming. And did I want to be involved? And I thought automatically, <laughs> yes. So on Radio 3, they currently have um, Sound of Cinema, which is a presenter called Matthew Sweet, who every Saturday was doing a journey through a different theme of film music. And obviously film music has, it's got a big history. Everybody understands film music, but Radio 3 understood that gaming also has wonderful music and it was really important that they wanted to address that and they wanted to celebrate that so I do what Matthew Sweet does for film with games so every week um, I choose a theme which is usually related to a game that's coming out and it's in the first Saturday of every month Um, I go through that journey so for instance a couple of uh, last Saturday there I covered monsters so for monsters we went from really terrifying monsters we went from horizon zero dawn's machines we talked about you know all kinds of the horrific types of monsters but also we talked about pokemon and you know it meant that we could it meant that we could really go on a journey musically because as we know as as gamers that you know, game music is is so different and constantly dynamic and we get a very, very different experience. So I think even for people who don't play games, suddenly for an hour, you know, every month they go on this journey through game music and go, wow, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, how does mm-hmm. this, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize games had music that wasn't just chip tunes, you know? So mm-hmm. it's quite, it's really nice to be able to introduce people to not just gaming music, but even just gaming as a whole. You know, what sort of preparation goes into to prepping these episodes? And have you kind of discovered anything surprising along the way that, that maybe you weren't expecting? Do you know, in terms of preparation, uh, I look at the games that are coming out. I look mm-hmm. at whom I ideal, what my ideal theme would be. Um, I have my own sort of personal favorite things. So I'm always like, hey, how can I get Assassin's Creed into this? But um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is my own, that's my own problem. But I think we just, we look at themes we look at what's coming out and we think I think because it's such a new show as well we have such you know the, the previous season wasn't in the, the current form that it is now so which is this thematic area so it, I'm kind of covering fresh ground meanwhile I think it's harder for Sound of Cinema almost because they all we've done how many years of this what have we not covered meanwhile I can say monsters or history or roguelites or metroidvania and it's all it's all new um, mm. but I think in terms of what I've learned, what I love um, every month is that I get to speak to a composer. So mm-hmm. my first episode of Sound of Gaming last year, I spoke to Jesper Kidd, 
because Assassin's Creed Valhalla was just about to come mm. out and he did the music for that along with um, Sarah Schachner. Um, but I think every time that I speak to a composer, I learn something new. I learn something about dynamic music or I learn about the types of absurd instruments that they create specifically <laughs> mm-hmm. for games. You know, talking to Enon Zur about the Fallout score and how what he did for that was he found, he talked about playing traditional instruments in non-traditional ways and playing non-traditional instruments. So he would find like, he would find a vase or he would find a glass and he would play that. And suddenly that's where we get these industrial scores from and we hear these strange noises. So I think what I learn and what I never, never ceases to amaze me is the way that the composers approach each particular theme. You know, I think it's just the, I mean, for Ghosts of Tsushima, um, they actually recommissioned an instrument of of samurai Japan that was practically Mm. dead. It had not been played for a a long time, or there was very, very small groups of people who did. And they basically sort of revitalized it so that it could be on the soundtrack and sort of go for this, striving for this authenticity of a time period and place. So I think it never ceases to amaze me how far the composers and even the sound teams for the games go to bring that to life in a really unique way. Yeah, it's crazy. We've had uh, a few different composers on, uh, Enon being one of them. And just, you know, you're right. Every time we speak with them, we learn something new and just how much music, you know, has an influence on the games that we know. Or I can hear uh, a song and not see anything and know exactly, you know, what game it comes from. It, it, it has such a deep connection uh, with us as people. And I guess that's something that sound does, though, uh, as well, but to be able to you know marry that then with adventures and games um, is is it's quite an undertaking, and just to see everything that they do to create these soundscapes and these worlds, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's incredible too because they're they're really very humble about it. I always mm. find they're very humble. About, oh, we got this together, or we just got together this group of Balinese. Uh, musicians together for this particular score and you know that sometimes they talk about how the it's astonishing a composer says oh i played all 22 of the string instruments on that one after the other and then i mixed it and it was fine or they've gone to uh they've recorded in somewhere like abbey road studios in london with a full orchestra so it's it's mm-hmm. amazing even the different independent ways they do things but they're they're just chill about it. They're like, yeah, that's what I did. I just tried it and it worked. Sure. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant. <laughs> L- let's take it back a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, wondering how, you know, your your passion for journalism and video games, how that story and how those two end up marrying together. Oh, oh, oh wow. Yeah, so, uh, so 10 years ago, I applied for, I was working, I'm currently in Glasgow. I live in Glasgow, mm-hmm. but um, I was living in Glasgow 10 years ago this year in September. Um, and I was working in the Apple store and I, I'd done a media degree at university, but I was sort of doing that thing of I, I couldn't get my dream job. I couldn't get my media job. I was doing plenty of free work for various radio stations because I love radio as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I applied for a staff writer job at official PlayStation magazine. Um, who are based in Bath in England, and I applied for the job, and and I, I got the job. <laughs> I'd never I'd, I'd never written for a magazine before. Um, I had to be taught how to write for a magazine and how flat plans worked. But it just kind of the editor, my editor Ben Wilson, who's a wonderful chap, who literally is 
my entire career is because of him, um, saw something in my words and saw something in my passion for games and just thought, hey, we should give we should give her a try. And I've kind of just been doing it since since then. And it's even more exciting that I'm now working in radio, which was my original passion. So I, it means I get to do games and I do technology work. And I love horror movies, so I, I do some horror movie bits and, and video games as well. So it's really, it's been an amazing journey over that time because I've, I've worked for some great places and, and now I'm, I'm excited that people have continued to give me an opportunity. When, when you think back to the start of your career, what was that original dream job? Do you know, I, it's weird, isn't it? You think, I think, I think any, you look at people in the media industry and you think that, they're the dream. So there's a UK film critic called Mark Kermode, who I've uh-huh. always loved because his podcast, uh, the Five Live podcast, Wittertainment, I've always loved that. And I think I thought his job was the dream job. And I think I've kind of got to that point. So I feel like anything I get after this is kind of a bonus. <laughs> like They let me on the radio. <laughs> they let me talk about horror movies, talk about video games, you know, so it's, it's nice. Like, I don't think I, I, I never thought I would never thought I would do this, but I mean, the first week that I was at Official PlayStation Magazine, the first game that I reviewed for them was Assassin's Creed Revelations. And oh, okay. it was on my desk when I got there because back then it was PS3 and it was a disc. Mm-hmm. It was a check disc and it was on my desk. And I was like, this is it. This is the dream. Someone is going to pay me <laughs> to, to play Assassin's Creed Revelations. <laughs> like, that's how this is going to work. And it's kind of continued the same. And I'm just as obsessed with Assassin's Creed as I was. So that's nice too. <laughs> there you go there you go you know obviously your career has has blossomed over the years i know you spent some time at games radar and yeah. so what was that experience like and when you start transitioning to different outlets there what are you looking for in in these opportunities to kind of present new challenges and and new ways for you to to share your love with people yeah i think the interesting thing was going from official playstation magazine which is obviously print and it did have a website element but I didn't really get to write for the website very much so when I moved to Games Radar I was brought on as a news writer um, and I eventually did I made it up to an editor but I was a news writer and um, I had to, I learned how to write news so I learned how to write headlines I learned how to write snappy copy in a way that people wanted to read it online and I think what working for a site like Games Radar is so good for is the fact that you can work across multiple things because they do and they do technology they do entertainment and it means you get to work across multiple channels and they give you kind of the chance to say oh write about what you love mm-hmm. and all of the things you love are there so they give you some real freedom to do that and I think then from there, I, I got to do video work, which was really nice because I hadn't done any video work. Um, and I've, I've done quite a lot of it since. But it meant that going to events, interviewing people on camera, um, then maybe doing some stuff in the studio. And all of a sudden, you're learning to write to a teleprompter and think, right, if I'm scripting to that, how does that work? So the, I think the blossoming of digital and consumption. I mean, obviously the magazine industry is nowhere near as successful as it was, you know, 10 years ago. Internet is the way forward. This is how we consume our news. And I think I did a lot of learning of that was as Facebook video was skyrocketing, uh, you know, and as various platforms were doing their thing and you suddenly, you learn how to create content for multiple different things. So I think it was a really good constant challenge because you were constantly making social posts or writing news or writing features or reviews or on trips and it it was I think it was a kind of 
trial by fire really at working fast in the 21st century, I think, for me. And, you know, as, as you've kind of seen gaming journalism grow and, and change during the years, where where do you think you've seen it evolve the most? And do you see an area that you think the, the space as a whole needs to continue to progress to really get to where it needs to be? Um, in ter- I mean, I've seen massive changes in, in games journalism. I think more... I think in games as a whole, I think representation needs to change. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's, I think representation is gradually changing, but not in the speed at which it needs to. Um, but I think in terms of places that I have seen masses of change, obviously the rise of the last 10 years has been the rise of YouTube and the rise of Twitch. And those are two, I mean, we didn't, we, we did have, you know, with the invent of YouTube suddenly everyone could watch everyone and i think that's we've we've come to a point where you know you you've got content creators and you have journalists but it's not like a versus or an or it's like everybody is together and everyone's mm-hmm. enjoying and everybody finds the right person who shares their passion and then follows them and i i don't think it matters if that person's a journalist or if that person's a streamer or a content creator or everything in between because i think i think there's a real shared passion there um i don't I don't think there should ever be sort of defined lines. And I think, you know, following your your the, the YouTuber you follow or the Twitch streamer you follow, I think that's just as important as finding out what, say, what I think of an Assassin's Creed game. You know, I think mm-hmm. you can, the joy of the last 10 years of development is you can always find someone who loves your thing and celebrate it with them and know other people who love it too and have a community. So I think that's been a really nice thing to see is just people following their passion, finding the right people and just building communities around them. Yeah, I agree. We've talked about that too, just how important and how nice it is to be able to build and form these communities. Uh, on the other side of that, though, we also know that there's a, it gives everybody a platform, whether they should have a platform or not. Um, <laughs> what are some of the challenges you found in the social space and especially, you know, the the more I, I feel like the more prominent uh you know someone is or or more of an authority in an area the more people are looking to you know ah, you know they're they're looking to find anything what kind of challenges have you come up with i think some i think i hate it when i say i think i've been quite lucky in some ways i haven't got as you know i haven't had people attack me very much sometimes mm-hmm. you read a, sometimes you have a review and at the bottom, someone will say, I wonder what a guy would think of this, <laughs> you know, even as simple as that. Ooh. And it's like, oh, well, really? You know, or I think there's also people like to put people in sort of pigeonholes. Like I wrote about, mm-hmm. I played 900 hours of Animal Crossing last year, like a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but I wrote a piece on Animal Crossing and someone on Twitter then said, oh, you're a horror person. You don't play games. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Like, just because I like horror does not mean I didn't spend 900 hours playing Animal Crossing and specifically making an Instagram account for Tangy, who is the best cat, who's also an orange. You know, like, <laughs> so I think sometimes, I think there's a lot of people want to be angry about things. And I think people will always find an excuse to be angry about things. And the more people follow you the more you put an opinion out there that people might really disagree with you know we we the passion for all of our the things that we love can sometimes be sort of people can really lash out about stuff and I think a lot of people have an awful lot worse than I have and I felt quite fortunate but 
it's just horrible that it happens at all, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that I, I've not had anything enormous. There's been some people who disagreed with review scores that I put or various things, but it, nothing, nothing that stung too much. So l- let me ask you then, being a a horror fan, if you could make a horror game, what would that look like? Oh, my version of a horror <laughs> game would absolutely take place in an amusement park. Um, like like an like a really haunted Disneyland. <laughs> That's what. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be or creepy. Maybe like maybe like building a haunted Disneyland. I have a so I love Assassin's Creed and stuff. I also love simulation games. Yes. And I especially love Jurassic World Evolution. That's a great game because you have to look after a theme park and a zoo and your dinosaurs can eat the tourists. So, I mean, that's all wonderful <laughs> yeah. things, right? I mean, that's a horror game too. If you, if you just zoom into that, it's all the horror. So, um, but yeah, maybe a, maybe a really dark, scary theme park builder with loads of horror in it. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, that's my... But the thing is, so many people make such scary games all the time and sometimes like i'm a much bigger horror movie fan than i am horror game fan because sometimes i find Mm -hmm. horror games absolutely petrifying you know i don't know how much (laughs) resident evil village you've played but the second sequence of village literally made my brain feel like it was being unhinged (laughs) (laughs) i mean i loved it but at the same time i do sometimes find it hard to push forward in that controller not in a way that i don't feel with movies because i feel quite safe when i'm watching a horror film and it's kind of a bit of a hug but horror games i do love but i do sometimes find a little scarier i'm the same way yeah i'm the exact same way it's like i i prefer horror horror movies over horror games just something about being in it and you know it's just like it's it's different and it, I, I, yeah there's that there, it's unsettling it's a little unsettling let someone else endure that for you let someone else yeah. you know so just so popcorn. they're just like right? a, a human shield for you yeah I, I used to always think when I'd watch horror movies I'd be like I I would not be like that but then I play horror games I'm like I would be terrible like I'd be dead I'd just be dead I'd be the person that doesn't run and then the person would be like really like <laughs> what what about the horror genre appeals to you like what what hooked you into it i think i i think you speak to a lot of horror fans and everyone has been a horror fan since they were very young so i've since i was really wee i loved ghost stories i loved goosebumps books i yes. loved point horror books and then i just i ate as much you know horror fiction as possible and then i think when i was 11 or 12 i saw scream and all of a sudden, mm. it was like this thing saying, look, these are scary things. And grown-ups make these things. <laughs> grown-ups, <laughs> make, grown-ups make horror things. So it's not just something you're going to grow out of. People just keep making this. So I loved Scream. And then I think I sp- I've literally spent the rest of my life since then doing the back catalogue of all the things that Scream references. Because obviously, for people seeing Scream then, who'd been through the you know 80s and 90s horror, it felt really smart. But it also felt smart for someone just seeing it for the first time as a kid. So actually then filling in the references was basically how I've spent the last 20 years of my life. <laughs> what what are your your favorite, what are your top go-to horror movies that, that you just could watch oh, again yeah. and again? My absolute favorite is The Descent. I adore oh, The I Descent. Love that one. Yeah. I love yeah, that, that one. Good. Yeah. The Descent. Um, I love. I love found footage as well. So I uh-huh. love Paranormal Activity, The Blair Witch Project, Wreck. Um, there was a recent movie called Hell House LLC, 
which is mm -hmm. a found footage, which is particularly terrifying, which I send people to quite a lot. Um, I still love Scream, all the Scream series. I love the Final Destination series. I have a real, like, I, I love really, really scary horror. But at the same time, if I do want to feel quite sort of comforted, I'll put on teen horror. So I will put on Scream. I'll put on <laughs> I Know What You Did Last Summer, The Faculty, <laughs> The Craft, Final uh -huh. Destination. Although yes. the more I see Final Destination, the, the more that, start of final destination is scary the, right? the scarier the older i get the scarier that plane crash becomes and the logs on the back of the truck in two mm -hmm. but yeah but yeah, yeah. I, I i'm one of those strange people that watches watches horror as a bit of a bit of a nice hug i did a piece for netflix <laughs> last year actually did a piece for netflix last year of here's why i think horror is a comfort blanket <laughs> I, think, I think the comments were either like yes i fully agree i totally understand and then everyone else was like there's something wrong with you <laughs> have you tried therapy I was like, yes i have horror help more so but yeah okay so obviously there are there have been a lot of horror icons in in films and in gaming now if you yeah. had to face off against one of them who do you think you'd do the best against oh no um <laughs> who would i do the best against uh you know you always want <laughs> I feel like I feel like they'd all just slaughter me. I really do. <laughs> I feel like every single one of them would slaughter me. You know, I'd think you think you know when you watch a movie you're like, oh, I would throw that at you, or I would have jumped out the window far faster than you could throw me off that balcony. No, I I, I legitimately, as much as I like to say that I would be a final girl in her big boots and skinny jeans, <laughs> I don't know if I am, truthfully. <laughs> As sad as, as sad as it is to say, I mean, maybe Jason, but it, it would depend which Jason. Mm. If he was on walking, if he was on walking duties, not because he can run in some of them. Because I remember after playing Friday the Thirteenth, the one that can properly like teleport and run, yeah, that's never gonna, yeah. Although that's my one, my one bugbear, and I just say my one bugbear is when people are hiding in horror films, and have the noisiest breathing on earth. I think <laughs> I think I could nail that quiet breathing thing, in which case maybe none of them would find me. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think I'd want to go up against Chucky. I think I'd want to go you up against Chucky. Box. You could put yeah, him in a box. You could put him in a box and sit like, on I, it. Yeah. He's a lot more manageable, you know, like he, he's scary, but it's like I'll, I'll deal with the the possessed doll over big big old dude with knife yeah. or machete or whatever. Or I think Freddy would be the one I'd be the, the most scared of. Because I mean, you can't sleep. Eventually nope. you're gonna have to sleep. And it's just it's impossible to get away from. Like that terrifies me. <laughs> yeah. That's why those horror movies work so well because they're so high concept. You know, that idea mm -hmm. of you can't go to sleep, you can't go in the water, you can't go in the woods, like all of those. Like I saw, I was at London Fright Fest um, a couple mm -hmm. of weeks ago and there was a film called The Advent Calendar and it was a French movie or it was released as Le Calendrier and it's um, coming to Shudder in Christmas, Christmas oh, okay. time. And it's about a haunted advent calendar, well, an evil advent calendar. And suddenly it has these sort of, you have to eat every treat that's inside and you have to follow the instructions. And the minute that a horror movie can make you understand its rules, mm -hmm. you know, like like Nightmare on Elm Street, you're mm -hmm. suddenly so on board. So I love a high concept horror movie that gets it so right because you know the rules, the character knows the rules, 
but someone's going to break them anyway. And that's the most, that's that, it's that struggle for, for those rules that I really love about horror. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. I, I, I don't want to face any of them. I always thought like, (laughs) for some reason, I always thought like Saw would be the worst because he'd be telling me I can make a choice, but I'd still be like, I'm just, my pain tolerance is not that high. I'm just going (laughs) to. You'd want the, at least you'd want the first. At least you'd want Jigsaw rather than any of his accomplices because yes. they they all actually just wanted to kill people. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. But he he would allow you to get out, but obviously it would depend on what you were willing to give Th- up. That would have to be my first question. But like, is this actually Jigsaw or is this like Amanda or somebody? Because if it's if it's one of <laughs> them, I'm, just, me? I'm done. Can I just like, check? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Do you have you ever played uh, Dead by Daylight? have yes okay do you do you enjoy it i like that's one of the few horror games that that i can play and i enjoy that they continue to build and and bring in characters from different uh uh horror flicks or or uh i mean shoot even even shows and things like that i, I feel like they do a really good job uh in that space it's they i, I love who they're bringing into it i'd really like them to mix up the core gameplay though a bit because i feel mm-hmm. like i feel like if we're are we still fixing generators? The last time I played it, I was fixing generators, and I yep. feel like I've been fixing generators for a really long time. Even if they reskin that, just a different game mode with them, because I love what they do with the like the Silent Hill and Saw and Ghostface, and they keep getting them in there. And it's like I want to play those experiences. But one of the reasons that I loved the Friday the Thirteenth game so much was because they really went to town on creating that full experience of being a counselor and getting to escape with the police or building the boat or the car or all of those things and it felt like you were actually in that movie and I think sometimes if I want to the idea of playing Scream but it's still just being that one core experience I'm like no give me Woodsboro give me Mm -hmm. characters and conversations and let me actually do that I know that it's much more difficult to do and but it it was even like they've got the core game for it. Just just give us another mode. Just just one. That would be awesome. I'd never even thought about that. Cause I really, yeah, I really enjoyed that Friday the thirteenth uh, game. Cause yeah. there are different ways of being able to escape and it and it gives you uh, a very, you know, each each playthrough is very unique. It's not just doing the same thing every time. So that would be totally. interesting if they do, you know, do something like that, add it in as a uh, you know, a separate mode or something yeah. like that. I think a lot of people, I think they'd get a lot of positive feedback from that. Yeah. Cause it's huge. So many people play and so many people I love how many people watch people play Dead by Daylight. That's what's <laughs> it's just like I don't play it, but I watch it religiously <laughs> in some yes. cases because people don't want to be that they don't want to be afraid. I think there's an added element there of that that asymmetrical stuff. It's really powerful. Knowing that something is hunting you, like alien isolation is bad enough. But knowing mm-hmm. that something is hunting you that's also your best friend <laughs> who knows where you are, <laughs> you know, that's knowing that they know you is somehow so much worse. You know, one thing that that we always like to ask is uh, obviously the gaming industry is is much more accessible to people than it has been in the past. But I think a lot of people don't even know where to start. If somebody was trying to get into games media, what would you tell them are, are good first steps for them to look into and do to kind of get them down that path? So I think the first thing is if you want to write about games that you need to constantly, you need to write. If you if you think yeah I want to write about games, start writing reviews and write them in a little notebook or type them in a Google Doc somewhere. Like just get used to writing in your voice if that's what if that's what you want to write about. And I think the other thing I would say is 
no, if you want to write for somewhere in particular and you are applying there, know that business, know who the editor is, know who you want to ask. Um, you know, I think that's really important is knowing who is where, knowing the editors in certain places, knowing what they cover so that then when you email them and say, hey, I'd really like to write for you, even them just having their name at the top of that email matters a lot to them because it means that you've done your research. And I think people, you think it's a bit like when you're younger and you're handing your CVs in places and you just have like, dear sir, madam at the top of your things. Don't do that for writing. Make sure that you know your audience, know who you're pitching to, or if you've not got any experience, know where you're asking for some work experience or asking for some guidance or any of those things. And another really good thing is it's not, I, I always want to say get paid for your work, but I think when you're starting out, even a local, you know, a website or a friend's website or a that the, they don't pay for the writing, it's a really good way to practice or somewhere, a small paper that maybe doesn't have a games vertical and you can convince them to be like, hey, can I write a hundred words about this game for you? Because all these new games are out and people want that. And I think the more you write, the more you find your voice and then can kind of then progress from there. But yeah. Know your audience and write a lot. It's my that's me. I we we know firsthand the convincing <laughs> that to let them let us try some gaming stuff. That that is how this show got started. Was was just <laughs> just randomly pitching them one day and and somehow getting them to say yes. <laughs> so we're very thankful <laughs> so that important. that happened. Right, Absolutely. right. Um, <laughs> You know, with with sound of gaming, I I know that that when you joined, obviously the the format changed. Was that your idea, or was that something that they had planned to to make it match a little better with with what uh, sound and film was doing? Well, I, well, they came to me um, with with that idea, mm-hmm. um, and then I kind of they said, you know, do with it what you like. But they they came to me with with their idea of of what they what they wanted. That was kind of, but it was it's nice because while the sort of thematic um, element is the, is the same as as sound of uh, cinema. I I have a composer every you know I have a composer every month. Um, we also have what's called our concert hall moment, which is really nice because that's where we it's not out there it's not there every month, but we celebrate the live performances. You know those great video games live concerts or traveling concerts we used to go to you know when when we were going to theaters and we will again you know we will do that again and i think it's really nice to be able to hear a different version so you know in that in that monsters episode i instead of using the traditional uh pokemon soundtrack from one of the games we actually used the pokemon uh theme that was played by the I think it was the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra Ooh. at one of the video games live concerts. And it's just amazing to be able to hear it in that way. And I think that's another way that people um, don't think about video game themes as being live orchestral events. So I think that's another element where people go, oh, that's a thing. Because, I mean, I think about it and I think I had to cancel or it got cancelled. I was meant to see Assassin's Creed live um, mm. and I never, never got to never got to see it. But I think more people knowing that those are there once they come back they'll feel like they want to um they want to go and see that and they want to experience orchestral video games soundtracks at the same time because you can literally go and they have sometimes they have giant screens with the mm-hmm. with the game on it so i think there's the different experience there that people will enjoy so i think 
we managed to make it different enough. So it's not a cookie cutter right. um, copy of, of Sound of, of Cinema in any way. It's, it's a way of embracing the different elements that is unique to video games, I guess. And I know you had said that radio had, had always been a, a dream of yours. Was, was there a moment growing up that made radio kind of stick out to you as a medium you wanted to be a part of? Do you know, I think I... When I was at university, we did a couple of radio units and I'd never really thought about radio before, but we did a radio drama unit and I really enjoyed radio drama. I didn't realise exactly how much I would like it, but I think there's you get so much from just audio and from just radio. And since then, obviously, we've had the massive explosion of podcasts. And I, I love mm-hmm. podcasts as well. Podcasts as a storytelling medium are just, they're just wonderful things, you know. Um, and I think people turn to podcasts and they turn to radio, especially in the last 18 months. We've been, we've been alone a lot of the time, depending on our situation. And podcasts and radio can really bring some much needed connection and sort of personality to what has been quite a lonely time. So I think... Whereas, you know, when I was 17, radio seemed cool and interesting in a way that I hadn't thought about. It's only become more and more important in my life as I've as I've got older. And because we can just stick a pair of headphones in and have someone in our head. And that's really important. Would you still do like a full blown radio drama? Is that is that something that you think? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. So my um, a podcast that I'm on sometimes, The Evolution of Horror, Uh um, my, it's run by my friend Mike Munster, who is wonderful. You should absolutely listen to Evolution of Horror if you haven't. Not just because I'm on it sometimes, but he <laughs> dives. He is currently he goes through the genres. Um, he's currently going through Alien, the Alien genre, but he went through slashers and folk horror and things. But he in April did an episode called The Frail Loop, and The Frail Loop was a little bit of a scary radio drama, and um, it's it's kind of the perfect stuff i think i think horror radio drama i'd absolutely love to work on so listening to the frail loop made me think oh i could um i could really do with some i could do with writing one of those that would be really fun i think you should i would listen to that i think you, <laughs> that, that, you. there you go i think you should you should get it out okay. there <laughs> perfect and that's the other thing as well you don't need a huge enormous budget do you for, right. for that kind of thing right. you obviously need good actors because that's you know most of the battle but at the same time to if you if you manage to cleverly get into someone's head in a way that you can scare them just with audio you've already built the pictures in their brain so mm-hmm. it's as scary as you it's as scary as they can imagine it isn't it so i think that's that's what's exciting exactly Luis, again, thank you so much for being on. Tell us, what do you have going on? Uh, where can we find you? Lay it on us. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's been really lovely to, to speak to you guys. Um, but if you are looking to find me, I'm on Twitter at shiny underscore demon. And I'm the same on Instagram. Um, and you can find Sound of Gaming is on BBC Sounds. Um, and you should find it in podcast form on all places like Spotify and uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, etc. You'll find it there. The only thing is the difference between the version that you'll find in BBC Sounds and you'll find in the podcast is that because of rights issues, the music is shortened to 30 seconds. But the composer interview mm. is there in all its glory. And if you want to hear me talking over it, that's fine too. <laughs> but it, that's <laughs> why there's there's a difference there. But our new episode is uh, Monsters. So that should be and next month i'm talking about survival games so that's that's coming up nice well again thank you so much for coming on and being on the show we appreciate it lucas 
What do you have going on this weekend? Well, since I don't have a PS5, I can't play Deathloop. So I guess uh, <laughs> I you guess I have a PC either. <laughs> yeah. no. I guess I'm going to like watch or try and like sneak over to a friend's house or something. I just want to experience Deathloop somehow. Uh, the first reviews that have been coming in have been predictably awesome. So that that really is is something that that I'm looking forward to. I do want to put an invite out here. Luis, I know that you're not exactly close to Las Vegas, but there's a saw escape room out here that I have been oh dying Lord. to try, but I need people to do it with. It's supposed to be a group. So you and Ryan saw escape room in Vegas. I think we need to make this happen. I'm down. I don't think I'm allowed. E- I don't even think I'm allowed into your country right now. I'll be honest. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, like you guys have just shut the borders on us. Until, uh, you know, I've been double vaxxed, but that doesn't seem to make a difference. So once you're allowing us in, I will mm-hmm. be in Vegas. I will Perfect. absolutely be in Vegas. It's, it's absolutely time for me to to return to Vegas anyway. So I will see you guys there. Sounds good. Sound. <laughs> I'm I'm ready to take on that saw escape room eventually, and hopefully, and then we can see we can see if we survive. And yeah. I, I, I just kind of hope I'm not the first one dead. Like that's I guess that's my goal. <laughs> Ryan, what are you? Well, I've to? mastered the breathing technique, so I don't know. I mean, I'll be fine. <laughs> see, see. I would probably also die. <laughs> uh, other than that, you know, what I won't die in is Destiny Two. No, <laughs> I'll I'll be on that Destiny Two. But no, I am because uh, I've I've been hyped uh, for Deathloop for for some time. So I don't know if I'll be able to start playing tonight or what the cap is on that. I'm hoping it becomes available at 9 p.m. PST for us uh, over here on the West Coast. But I'm not sure what that looks like. But I will be playing that. So I'm excited to check out uh what that game has entail i feel like the mechanics of it uh is really cool so i i'm just excited to to experience it and i'm glad to hear that because i don't really typically uh, check out reviews and stuff like that uh but it, it is comforting to, to hear that the reviews have been good and solid so far uh for the game so i'm just excited to play it more games more time i'm gonna eventually play or and beat Metal Gear Solid 5. It's got to happen. We're getting close uh, to the deadline. That's November. I've got four more missions, so I just need to get off my butt and do it and finish them. Right, uh, right. I, I have to point out, I have to point out, this is like the fourth week in a row that you've said there's been four missions left. <laughs> Ah, I can't bring it. Dude, I cannot bring myself to do them. That I cannot bring myself to do them, and I don't know what it is. Uh, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna. I promise it'll happen. We're gonna have a celebration after it's finished. So we will see. Regardless, though, we hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you so much for joining us again. Don't forget to hit us up on the tweeters at Land Parties Pods at Lucas Egan or at Smitty Two Four Four Seven. We hope you have a fantastic rest of your week and you know what it is we love your faces